The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Start! You can call me Bruce. Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Fridays are take days on this podcast. You know how we do. And without any further ado, I am going to jump in to your almighty takes. Reminder, we're going to do almighty takes. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to do crumbling the cookies. As a reminder, you can get me your almighty takes by emailing me, I am Bruce Almighty at yahoo.com with your takes for the upcoming Buffalo Bills game or perhaps any ponderances of the heart you may have or may find yourself up late at night wondering about. Andrew says, hi, Bruce. I'd love to hear your analysis on Stefan Diggs's yak during the Steelers game. Yak was noted as a key skill set that Diggs brings to the game. However, last night was the first game where it was a significant part of the totals. Was this a result of Allen's pass placement, Dable's play calling, or both? Best regards, Andrew. My answer is none of the above. I think that the Steelers blitzing Allen 56% of the time abandoned the second level enough that a lot of the curls that the Bills like to run had a lot of spots open underneath them for lateral movement that will allow you to get on top of a defender after the catch on the second level. Because that second level has kind of been abandoned by blitzers. And the Steelers bringing pressure as often as they did make sure that when you have separation at the point of the catch, which Stephon Diggs has a tendency to do, there's usually fewer people for him to beat post-catch. So I think that's obviously a predominant part. Obviously, placement matters, but I think that really the abandonment of the second level 
by a lot of Steelers defenders just gave Diggs more room to work with on those short passes after the catch. Sean says, having been a longtime non-Fairweather fan since 1972, I am quite pleased with all the bandwagon hoppers that have increased the number of wagons which we may circle. I can recall coming out here to visit my relatives and having the opportunity to go to a Broncos training camp while also getting Mike Montler's, formerly Bill's Center, and the great Lyle Alzado's autographs. I will be hosting these same relatives for wings. My great aunt, 98 years young, and her granddaughter, whose age I cannot mention as I am a gentleman. Alas, I digress. My take is this. The Broncos' defense will go to the same library looking for the same book, which other teams have tried to continually pressure Josh Allen with little success. The O-line will once again be up to the challenge. The Bills' defense, having returned to 2019 form, will do the following. Two interceptions, three or more sacks of Drew Locke, one of which results in a strip and recovered fumble, hold Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay to under 100 yards, Tyler Kicking Bass will kick a 60-plus yard field goal at altitude. Boho, pronounced Boho, will launch at least one punt over 65 yards. Thank you for your time, sir. Sean in Fort Collins. The Broncos have been kind of middle of the pack this year when it comes to blitz percentage. They're right around 28% on blitz percentage. But ideally, the best way to do this for them is to get pressure with four. Because... Josh Allen, when pressured, is the least effective version of Josh Allen. But Josh Allen, when blitzed, is still an effective version. So ideally, you'd like to be able to get pressure with four. And given the fact that they have Shelby Harris, and they have Malik Reed and they have Chubb, I don't know if necessarily they're going to come out of the gates that way. But if they're not able to get pressure early on, then I can see them cranking up the blitz on occasion. They have been known to kind of ebb and flow when it comes to that. Famously, the first couple of weeks of this year, Vic Fangio barely blitzed at all. And then he went through this kind of stretch where he blitzed a lot more. So situationally, they will pick and choose their times. I think they might start off not necessarily bringing the house, but if they're not able to get home the way they want to get home, I think they can turn it up. Two interceptions is completely reasonable. Three plus sacks of Drew Locke, completely reasonable. 60-plus yard field goal, I'm not sure. This is just rare for an opportunity. Not saying Tyler Bass can't do it, but 60-plus yard attempts are extremely rare. So I'm going to go somewhat improbable just because we parlayed a lot of things here. I say somewhat improbable on this take. Luke says, Bruce, are almighty takes getting less fun as the season goes on? I ask this because the Bills are turning into a constant. Personally, I haven't been surprised by a Bills performance since the Raiders game. Is the consistency of the Bills hampering the fun of the almighty takes? No, it's not hampering the fun for me of the almighty takes. The almighty takes are some of the most fun I get to have over the course of the week because it's interaction, but it's not Twitter interaction. I recognize that Twitter interaction is part of the job. I get it, and it's necessary, but there are many times when I get discouraged by the type of things that I see on social media, and I, here's a spoiler for you, if you went to go try to find me on social media, you wouldn't find me. I don't have any personal social medias at all. I don't have a personal Facebook, I don't have a personal Instagram, you can't find me anywhere. The only reason I have social media is for the purposes of connecting with people for the pod. So 
if it wasn't for the pod, poof, I'd be gone like a fart in a windstorm. Just one day I'm up and you just can't find Bruce anymore. And so almighty takes for me are fun because I have an opportunity to interact with people and I have inside jokes. People email me stuff and a uh, great example. So the last one, the last email we just talked about from Sean, I had a typo in my last email to Sean and I accidentally ended it with M. And so he responded M to me. This is the inside joke. Listen, the relationship I have with my listeners is special. It really is. It's very special to me. So for me, almighty takes are always going to be enjoyable regardless of how the team's performing, because it's a special, unique way for me to interact with them where they know me and I know them. His almighty take Luke's is that the bills beat the Broncos for their first AFC East title since 1995 to parlay this take. I will add that the bills defense will hold the Broncos to only one offensive touchdown. Vic Fangio costs his team through punting and settling for field goals, and it will play into the Bills' hands. I think this is somewhat probable overall. I can absolutely see this. We talked about on yesterday's pod that Mike Tomlin kind of played into the Bills' hands a little bit by punting in plus territory, and Vic Fangio could absolutely do that. I'm going to say this is somewhat probable. Steve says, hey, Bruce, love the pod. Thank you, Steve. Have you ever considered doing an additional show that covers the entire NFL? Although Bill's Mafia loves to have you all to ourselves, I think your knowledge and unique takes on the game would do well with a bigger audience. I have not considered it because I simply don't have the time. I barely have the time to do what I'm doing now. Uh, I'm a very busy dude, and I there's no way I could go to three shows a week. If I did something like that, it would be at the cost of the work that I'm doing for Bill's Mafia. So I agree that this is really a football podcast that happens to slant toward the Bills versus a Bills podcast. That's really what this is. This has always been a football podcast from a football guy who just happens to have a rooting interest in the Bills. It's not really a Bills fan podcast. It's done by a Bills fan. But this is a football podcast. This podcast is about football. It just happens to lean that direction. And so I do agree with you. I think that it could lean anybody's direction. You know, if I decided tomorrow that I was going to do the Broncos, I wouldn't do it with as much passion as I do with Bill's Mafia because I don't have an emotional tie, but it could be done. But I, I would highly doubt. I think it's highly improbable. I think it's highly improbable. I ever do anything aside from this as far as the Bill's podcasting hobby thing goes. His take for the week are multiple and they are this. Number one, the Bills abandoned the run completely while facing a depleted secondary, and Josh has another MVP-type performance. 300-plus yards, three total touchdowns. Number two, our defense continues their recent incline, but the weaker competition make our defense look like they've returned to top three form. The Broncos don't top 250 total yards of offense and score 14 points or fewer. Number three, these two things make for our real first blowout of the season with a margin of victory of 20 plus. Thanks for all you do. Our fans never satisfied thirst for content. I think all three of these things are somewhat probable. Now don't underestimate the Broncos, but this is one of those games where I can see a reasonable path to a close game with a gritty team. That's better than the record indicates. And I can also see a path for a blowout. Both of those things make sense in my head. That's one of the reasons why this game is so intriguing to me is because I can see a logical path. If you came to me and made an argument and said, Bruce, the Bills are going to blow out the Broncos. I'd be like, okay, I can see that. 
If you came to me and made an argument and said, guys, it's going to be a close game. I think the Bills are going to pull it out, but it's going to be a close game. I can see an argument for that too. I can see logical paths to this thing. So I think all three of these things are probably somewhat probable. I don't know if all three of them will happen, but I can see a path reasonably for all three of these points. Jeremy says, Noli B. So the Bills collectively take things to the next level and close out the season easily with wins over Denver, New England, and Miami, assuming they play the starters. To paraphrase Vince Vaughn and Swingers, they're all grown up. This team is maturing into a top flight squad before our eyes. It's done. AFC Championship or bust. On yesterday's pod, I made the argument that the Buffalo Bills are indeed Super Bowl contenders. My initial thought about the team winning out a couple of weeks ago was, I don't know, guys. And we might drop one here or there. Now my thought about the team winning out is, are we going to play our starters week 17 against Miami? So I have a very similar idea of the Bills winning out, maybe not necessarily being a sure thing, but for a completely different reason than I had before. Winning the division and losing in the wild card, I think still ends up with this year being a disappointment. I don't know that I'd go as far as to say AFC championship or bust, but I would say AFC divisional round or bust. Andrew says, hi, Bruce. Love the pod. It's my morning drive. Must listen on Thursday and Friday. I especially think you do a great job breaking down narratives, poking logical holes in them and using factual data to support your arguments. It's raised my standard of takes by some of the analysts I pay attention to and makes me think more critically. Thank you, Andrew. That's, That's a great compliment because that's exactly what I'm intending to do. All I have ever claimed to be and all I've ever tried to be for you guys is, as I mentioned yesterday, I want to be intellectually honest and I want to be logically reasoned. So thank you for that. Also, I think football analysts, or at least Bill's ones, should adopt the QB stew as a conglomerate stat for all quarterbacks moving forward. I think you're onto something there. Once you have a good data set, you can really put together something that helps mitigate some of the weighted bias and noise in each stat and get a better idea of overall play. I agree. I really like my QB stew. If you haven't done it, go back and listen to the Thanksgiving Day episode of the Bruce Exclusive where I outline QB stew as being a metric amalgamation that I think can help us better evaluate quarterbacks. I'm really proud of it. I think it's a I think it's a really good idea. And I think it really helps balance some of the noise that you hear in some of these metric arguments. Andrew's almighty take for this week is this. This game will be a tight one for three quarters. Broncos defense will make it difficult to move the ball and Bills will put together a few long drives, but only get a couple scores in the first half. The defense will continue the Frazier slash McDermott trend of shutting down young quarterbacks since this will be the first time that Drew Locke sees our defense, and it will be within one score in the third. In the fourth, the Bills will gain some momentum and will put it away and win by at least two scores. Thanks, Andrew. I can see this. This is almost a balance of what we were talking about previously, about the idea that you can see a two-score victory and you can also see a close game. I think that the longer the game goes in general, the more opportunity talent has to win out. And I think this Bills team is more talented especially at the quarterback position. Drew Locke has not played well this year by any stretch of the imagination. So I think this is a somewhat probable take. I can see a path to this. David says the NFL is trending more toward positionless players and running quarterbacks like Josh could be included in this. 
My take is that this will further extend to quarterbacks with careers like Taysom Hill. Do we have any curiosity about whether or not Dawson Knox could be a decent backup? If not, could acquiring a player like that be a way to strengthen number two? I do think the NFL is trending toward positionless offensive players, but not including the quarterback position. I think that having wide receivers who can block and run and having running backs who can block and catch, those are things that are important. And we started to see that in kind of the Shanahan offenses, in the Sean McVay offenses. I think that having multiple players who can do multiple things is important. The quarterback position is so incredibly specialized and involves so much work that I don't think that's really something that's going to include the quarterback position moving forward. Dawson Knox is also so far committed down the road of transitioning to a tight end from being a converted quarterback that I really don't want to go back and mess with the opportunity there. So I wouldn't be in favor of it. I do think you're right that the NFL is trending toward positionless players, but I think those positionless players are wide receiver tight ends and tight end wide receivers and running back wide receivers and wide receiver running backs and those kind of players, uh, more of the skill position scenario, and that doesn't necessarily include the quarterback. Evan says, after seeing Drew Locke say the following about Trey White, quote, he's an extremely talented corner, but it's not going to be something that scares you off of a throw or scares you off of a matchup. If my read takes me to him and I need to throw the ball, there will be no second guess about throwing it, quote, unquote. And seeing Joe Marino post the following stats last night, Locke's passer rating on attempts 20 plus yards down the field is 37.1, dead last in the NFL. His adjusted completion percentage on throws 20 plus yards down the field is 29.8, also dead last in the NFL. Locke also has the highest bad throw percentage in the NFL at 25% and the lowest on target percentage at 68.3%. I am predicting multiple turnovers on Saturday for the Bills defense. On offense, the Bills have a slightly above average day, but not lights out, doing enough to get a 2019-like win against a Denver team, which has a tough defense. For playoffs, I am predicting playoffs. I am predicting the Bills win out, get the number two seed, smack the Dolphins in back-to-back weeks, 17 in wildcard, and win the divisional matchup as well, not predicting against two yet. Draft Dudes podcast mentioned the Chiefs could be beatable and they are upset by either Cleveland or Indy, which means the AFC Championship game is in Orchard Park. Bills win. In the Super Bowl, they eke out an exciting win versus New Orleans or Green Bay, 35-28. Josh Allen signs a contract extension that starts after the fifth-year option, which locks him in Buffalo long-term. The deal is team-friendly, and Terry Pagula invests in a new Josh Allen Sports Performance and Nutrition Institute, a la TB12 Nutrition in Foxborough. Alan Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, and Arch Manning spend the next 15 to 20 years playing musical chairs on who the GOAT truly is. Wow. This is a take that started off okay, I was there, and then it just went completely off the rails, and I'm here for it. I'm here for it. So overall, I'm going to go highly improbable on the take, but I'm going to take individual portions of it. I think multiple turnovers by the Bills defense is possible. I mentioned in my article on buffalorumblings.com that should be out today that Drew Locke can be had when he goes deep. And you can bait him into going deep because that's what he wants to do. He wants to throw the ball down the field. There is a very 2018 Josh Allen-ish vibe to him, but without the effectiveness and without the running ability. Bills beating the Dolphins in the wild card, reasonable. Divisional matchup winning. Chiefs being upset. Maybe 
AFC Championship in Orchard Park, probably not. Bills wins Super Bowl. It, 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 it's just too much. There's too many things to parlay. It sounds wonderful. I'm down for it. So I'm going to go highly improbable, especially the uh, Josh Allen Sports Performance and Nutrition Institute a la TB12. I did enjoy it, though. I definitely enjoyed it. Ethan says, Bruce, I humbly submit to you the following thoughts and takes. Ahem. The Bills are going to the Super Bowl, a.k.a. the almightiest of takes. After that Pittsburgh game, I am riding high. But for this week, I expect a third consecutive game of the Bills showcasing everything they've been doing right. Offense. Josh Allen throws for 300 plus yards. Only reason he didn't reach 400 is because they get a big enough lead that they start running time off the clock. I'm hoping John Brown comes back, but I also want to give Gabriel Davis a chance to redeem himself after this past week's drops. Okay, so I know I'm interrupting this almighty take, but you guys have to know something. So I haven't been feeling very well. So my wife brings me in the middle of recording when I was just finished talking about what I was talking. She brings me this. I don't know. What is this? What is, it's like a traveler mug of hot green tea with honey, which is my preferred drink when I'm not feeling well. And I'm not really good at patience. It's just not really my thing. I'm not an overly patient guy when it comes to eating and things I enjoy. So I immediately try to gulp it down, not realizing it's crazy hot. So now my tongue is burned and I have to do the remainder of this podcast. And I think I may end up sounding a little bit like this. So we're going to do our best to jump back into this take from Ethan. So we're back to it. Defense with Drew Locke's tendency to throw for passes of 20 yards or more. I see our secondary having a day, three interception day. I'll even parlay it and say Trey White puts on a clinic to post on his goalie academy website. And lastly, the refs make a truly head scratching call that we all get mad about even though we win. But is that even a take anymore or is it just reality? Love the pod. Keep grinding. Let's go Buffalo. Best Ethan. All right, let's start with the ref thing. It's going to happen. It's going to happen every week, every single week. There's going to be a, really? You're calling that pass interference now? You're calling that unsportsmanlike conduct? Maybe we might have a ball spinning incident again, the way that we have all been pointing out ball spinnings on Twitter for the last couple of weeks, ever since Josh was flagged for taunting. The first take, Josh throwing for 300 plus. I can see it. Let's go somewhat probable on that. Three interceptions. I'm going to go somewhat improbable because they're just uncommon. I feel more comfortable at two, so I'll go somewhat improbable. Trey White putting on a clinic, that's fairly common at this point. Jerry Judy is a really good route runner, for sure. And I think that Jerry Judy was ready to come into the NFL as it is. He struggled with drops a little bit more than I thought he was going to this year, but he's an exceptional route runner. So Tredavious White going up against a route runner of that caliber, I think is going to be fun. But Tredavious White has the experience at this point. So that's my overall take on Ethan, and we'll move on. AJ says, Mr. Nolan, this almighty take may serve for this week or three weeks from now. It's not relevant. If our opponent goes for two, they will get two. We can't stop it. The whole Bills going for two, or rather teams going for two against the Bills, is a weird phenomenon. And if it continues this trend, I will have to probably do a pod about it. 
in the offseason. I'll probably have to go back and watch all the two-point conversions and see if there's a, a common trend or something I can pick up because right now it makes no sense to me. I don't know. I'm going to say somewhat probable on this just because I'm going to assume it's going to continue until I see otherwise. Aaron says, almighty take for the week, and I need you to read this on air, Bruce. The dear listeners must not be deprived of it. Bruce's take that the Bills won't win out is mostly improbable. <laughs> We're doing takes on takes now. We're uh, doing probabilities on probabilities. I agree that the chances are that the Bills looking like they could win out is more probable now than it's ever been. I think a big part of it's going to come down to Week 17 against the Dolphins. I don't think that the Patriots are necessarily a pushover by any means. I mean, the reason why the Bills beat them the last time is because of an improbable punch out that happened when the Patriots were driving. So I don't think we put it past the Patriots to be competitive against this Bills team because they already have been. So I'm not willing to just sign us up right now for winning out. But it'll be also interesting to see what the Bills look like when the Patriots roll out a different defensive game plan that doesn't necessarily lend toward running the ball as often as they did or having the wins that they did in that game. Matt says, the Bills have a tendency to play down to their level of competition. This week's game against Denver will be close. Josh will look like week six through eight, Josh, but this defense will keep them in the game. We will see the version of the team we expected to see this year. That's an interesting take because going into this year, a lot of people expected a step forward from Josh Allen and for the defense to remain elite. What they got was multiple steps forward from Josh Allen and the defense regressing for a long portion of the season. I do think that seeing Josh Allen not perform at a high level this year has been an anomaly. That's how good he's been this year. The majority of his games have been good. The Steelers game in totality wasn't good. The second half was good. Chiefs game wasn't good. Titans game wasn't good. But the majority of his games have been good this year. So when I see a game from Josh Allen that's not good, that's usually a shocker. And I don't mean like an extreme outlier. Like when Patrick Mahomes has a bad game, it's extreme outlier. If you look at Patrick Mahomes' EPA per play over the course of his career by game, he's had like a small handful of games that were even average. It's really unbelievable when you look at it. So Josh Allen isn't necessarily so good that him having a bad game is like, oh my gosh, this is a completely new language. But it is uncommon. So I'm going to say somewhat improbable because I have faith that Josh Allen can continue this trend that he found in the second half against Pittsburgh and that the more things they see, the less answers defenses will have against him and Josh Allen could have a good game. Mike says his almighty take is Andre Roberts has reservations for six versus the Broncos. Somewhat probable. Okay. I am not going to answer this right now because we are going to answer that exact same take at the other side of this break because we're going to crumble the cookies and it's going to go right back into this. So stick with me. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to crumble the cookies and take care of this take all at once. Let's do it. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive, and you can find me with a burnt tongue right now from the green tea. I'm doing my best to power through. It's good that this is my last pod for the week. 
And I don't currently have any guest spots lined up for this weekend at the time of this recording. You never know. Stuff could pop up. But I'm going to try and power through with a burnt tongue. And here we are. We're going to talk about crumbling the cookies of the Denver Broncos. And to do it, we're going to talk about three things. And all three of them are tied to a bizarro mirror image team that this fan base is familiar with. And that's the 2018 Buffalo Bills. Drew Locke is one of the strangest quarterbacks in the league this year. But he shares some similarities with the past version of the Bills' current quarterback, Josh Allen. In 2018, Josh Allen was largely defined by a high average depth of target, which then informed his low completion percentage. When we were talking about Josh Allen's completion percentage after 2018, we said, hey, you have to account for high drop percentage and you have to account for high depth of target. The Broncos, between Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, have had some drops this year. In addition, Drew Locke throws 20-plus yards down the field on 17.6% of his throws, third in the league. In 2018, Allen was first in the league. 19.7% of his throws were over 20 yards. Allen and Locke also shared the lowest completion percentage in the league. That whole bombs-away mentality that Allen had in 2018 and Locke has in 2020 just happened to go a little bit better for Allen, that's all. The process was similar, but the results were different. Allen's passer rating on throws over 20 yards in 2018 was like 30 points higher than Drew Locke's is in 2020. Now you combine that with the fact that you took away Allen's dynamic running and you can understand why Broncos country doesn't have a lot of things to prop themselves up on. Bill's Mafia had those same processes, but they had better results, plus they had the running of Josh Allen. Broncos country doesn't have that when they look at Drew Locke, which is why they're wondering if he should be the guy. This dynamic can be used to the advantage of the Bills. The Buffalo secondary has one of the most effective deep ball deterrents in the entire NFL, Micah Hyde. We've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast. I talked about it with Pat Moran in the offseason when I was defending Micah Hyde as being a great safety in the NFL. Let Drew Locke keep chucking it deep and keep Hyde over top of the speedsters. KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, they all run good 40 times. Hamler in the four twos and Patrick in the four fours. Let's give him a lot of cover three. Show him single high. Make sure it's cover three. Bait lock into the throws we already know he wants to make. Let him do the things that he wants to do because he's not super effective at doing it. So don't encourage him to do anything different than what he's been doing. Encourage him to keep doing the things he's been doing and been not effective at. On the other side of the ball, there's also some strange commonalities. Stop me if you've heard this before. The Broncos' safeties are the heart of their defense. Their defensive line consists of a pass rusher who has great hand usage and power, along with a more bendy edge player. Their interior defensive line has one player who is criminally underrated, paired with some reasonable role players. 2018, Bills' defense has a bizarro twin in the 2020 Broncos' defense. 
But just like the difference that we just mentioned on the offensive side of the ball between the 2020 Broncos and the 2018 Bills, which was the effectiveness of the deep ball, there's a difference here too. And it comes in the nickel corner matchup. The Broncos secondary has been obliterated with injuries. It's saying Bassey, Duke Dawson, Bryce Callahan are all injured. A.J. Bouye's on its suspension. Devontae Harris and Will Parks are going to be manning the nickel corner position for the Broncos. Neither one of them has been overly effective this year, and Cole Beasley is arguably the best slot receiver in the NFL. Go to him early. Go to him often. See if they're up to task, and if not, keep going. One more thing that is related between the 2020 Denver Broncos and the 2018 Buffalo Bills. Underwhelming special teams units. Brandon McManus is coming off a couple rough outings. It's too early. He's been historically a very reliable kicker. It's too early to determine if it's a trend. But Denver's coverage unit gave up a return touchdown to Byron Pringle a couple weeks ago. Andre Roberts might be a big part of the game plan to be aggressive. He might be taking the ball out because in that air, the ball travels farther. So Brandon McManus might just kick it out of the end zone every time. We might even get a shot to return it. But I can see a level of aggressiveness behooving the Buffalo Bills from their return game. So Mike, about your almighty take about Andre Roberts having a reservation for six, normally I'd say highly improbable just because quite frankly, return touchdowns are incredibly uncommon. But in this case, I'm going to say somewhat improbable because I can see some aggressiveness being in the best interest of the Bills. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We did the almighty take. We crumbled the cookies. Tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Friday, tomorrow on Saturday, you're going to get Buffalo Bills football. And until the next time I talk to you guys, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumble.